Open Church, question to start off our time together. Have you ever lost something and gotten it returned to you? Whether it's like your wallet, um, your phone, your, your child. Do you remember what that feeling was like? Like a sense of relief and joy. Have you ever, have you ever broken something and had it restored? You know, maybe it was your car. Maybe it was something, uh, some sort of a keepsake, something that was special to you. Maybe it was a relationship. You broke it, and it was restored to you. I want you to think about that feeling. I mean, that's like a, it's a very visceral, intense feeling. Now, I want you to think about that feeling collectively with a community, with a nation. This idea that we see in Psalm 126 is the people of God having something restored to them. The people of God, we read in Psalm 126, like think about this in like all of those feelings you feel when you lost something and when you had something restored to you collectively in a group of people who for 70 years have been in exile and, and have gotten their fortunes restored to them. For generations, for two generations now, have yearned and waited and prayed and hoped and doubted and, and sung songs, awaiting God to show up, awaiting for God to, to restore to them uh, their land, their homeland, their, their city. And Psalm 126 is another one of the Psalm of Ascents, meaning another pilgrim song. And it's a song sung by this wonderful broken group of people who God is redeeming out of exile. Now you can read about the exile. You can read about the, the beginning stages of it in the book of Jeremiah. You can read about it in is that the backdrop to the book of Daniel. And you can read about it uh, on, the, on the back end of it with Nehemiah and Ezra. But this song is, is a song of the people in the midst of it. And we believe that this song is being sung as a people who are out of exile, but they're in back in their land, and they still need God to move. They're still calling on God to move. Let me read this passage. You read it in House Church. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it in another translation as well. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So in our psalm for today, 
the psalmist, the songwriter, stands with one foot in the past and one foot in the present, and both of which are um, uh, talking about this idea of God showing his and restoring his fortune to the people. Now, let me read this out of Eugene Peterson's translation in the message. I think it brings out another layer of, of, of excitement, I, I guess, and, and, and imagery. Listen, listen to this. It says, it seemed like a dream, too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. And this is what the nation said. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. So this is talking about what happened in the past. The psalmist, the song is bringing about memories and those feelings of, of what it was like when they were returning from exile. They were full of laughter. They dreamt again. There was there was dreaming to be had. They were laughing. They were full of joy. Everything was, they couldn't believe their good fortune. And the other nations around them saw what was taking place and actually said, God is showing favor on them. There was like a sense in which the people were looking from the outside, looking and saying, man, I, I'd love to be a part of that. But then the psalmist makes a turn. And this happens so often in our lives, right? We go through great times of joy and feeling like God has done some amazing work in us and around us. And yet there's seasons where we wonder if God's going to move again. Listen to this. The psalmist makes a turn, a turn that says, Yes, God has done something in the past. Yes, God has rescued. But we're not out of the woods yet. And the verbs in this psalm begin to switch from past to present tense. It goes like this. And now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout, yes, at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. See, there is a sense, a great sense of gratitude in the, the psalm and what God has done in the past and how we experienced what God has done in our lives. And now it has turned to a desperate plea for God to show up again. For God to do what he's done before. That the Israelites, though they've returned from exile, they're in danger of losing their harvest. They fear for their harvest. And so they're asking, they're pleading with God, and there's this desperate plea for God to move again. This last Sunday, as we gathered at Fellowship in the Gym, by the way, if you missed it, um, we would love to have you join us this next Sunday at Fellowship in the Gym. And church, I'll tell you more about that, but it's, it's kind of an important big Sunday. So if you were with us last Sunday, right afterwards, we actually had a group of people jump into membership at our church. And one of the fun things about talking about uh, joining up with our church in, 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 
in terms of membership is we get to talk about our name as a church. And there's a reason why we named our church Restoration. Now, the word restoration means, and this is the actual definition of it, to return something to its former owner, place, or condition. It's actually to bring something back, to bring someone back to their former place or condition. And this is like what biblical joy is. Biblical joy is about being restored. If you look at the arc of scripture about what God intended and what God is going to do, in between are story after story of God doing his work, God doing his rescuing, God doing his healing in order to bring his people back into their initial uh, condition and, and is in their initial intent, God's creative intent for his created people. And biblical joy is about being brought back and who we're in who you and I are designed to be. The problem is, um, and the uh, we we resist it. But the beauty of this song that we are looking at in in Psalm one twenty six is the fact that God is doing the work. The people are remembering what God has done, and they're calling on God to do it again. Listen to this quote from Eugene Peterson. He says. This psalm, it says, it announces the existence of a people who assemble to worship God and dispersed to, live, uh, dispersed to live to God's glory. Those whose lives are bordered on one side by a memory of God's acts and on the other side, hope in God's promises. So their lives are bordered on the one side by the act of God and the hope of God in the future. And who along with, it, with whatever else is happening are able to say at the center, we are one happy people. And so that is this, the beauty of this song is um, God doesn't make everything perfect and, and God doesn't tie a knight's bow on everything. But God has moved in the past. And our mouths were filled with laughter and joy. And we believe God will move again. Here's the, the frustrating part about what I see happening around our city and our world. And just like the, 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 the writer, the writers in the New Testament the letters of the New Testament were written to Christians. This is for Christians. Here's what I seem to feel Christians doing these days. Freaking out and losing their minds. I just... There's just this insanity. It's almost like the people of God have forgotten the first half of this song. And there's this fear. There's this running around, freaking out about personal liberties and freaking out about uh, what the government's doing and what Christians should be allowed to do. And there's just this losing their minds happening right now in the lives of many Christians. And all throughout scripture, 
the people of God lost their minds. So this isn't new. And this is something that we need to learn from. All throughout scripture. So the people of God get rescued out of Egypt, cross the Red Sea. They're literally on the other side of the Red Sea. No more threat from the Egyptians. Trusting God, following God, pillar of fire at night. And they lose their minds. And they wish they were back in Egypt. We see this actually in uh, moments really actually right after the exile. As much as they're singing Psalm 126, there's this fear. If you go read Nehemiah, they're rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And they're losing their minds, some of them. Because there's the threat of an attack. The question is, are we the kind of community? This is the real important question. Are we the kind of community and the kind of people, okay, that where people on the outside looking in say, God's doing really, really great things among them. The kind of, are we the kind of people where people are looking on the outside, looking in, and they're saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. You see, pilgrims know about joy. And joy is what finds us and what fills us and what keeps us in step with Jesus. We keep at the journey Okay, we keep at the, the one foot in front of the other pilgrimage of following Jesus because we've been restored, because of what God has done in the past, because of how God has healed us. And we're still waiting the full healing, the full restoration. See, remember Philippians last fall. We did a series in Philippians um, strategically as we were as a people still meeting in house churches um, and and kind of and our country was in a moment of of an election of covid and all these different things happening and paul writes actually this letter from prison back to the people in philippi 800 miles away who sent aid to him and it's a letter about joy it's a letter of encouragement and he writes this, he's like, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you, not in you as an individual, but in you as a people, in you as a church, would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus returns. Like Paul has a foot in the past, he is anchored by this idea, this one rail on this one side that says, here's what God has done in the past. Here's what I know God is going to do in the future. And I'm confident that he's going to do that to you. He's going to finish the work to you as a church. Now, here's the thing. It is super easy to slip. 
It is super easy to settle. It's super easy to lull ourselves into becoming a tourist and looking for the, the high points and seeking, seeking the ease and the comfort and some sort of a manageable religion. Listen to what N.T. Wright says. I've, I've shared this quote before. It's kind of a, a drumbeat for me during this series. He says, made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we are satisfied with sentiment. But new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. That, quite simply, is what it means to be a Christian. To follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. Church, God has rescued in the past. He has restored us. And he'll do it again. He will show up again. I mean, the writer of Hebrews talks about this. All of chapter 11 in Hebrews is this one account after another of, of God's people in faith pushing forward, taking the next step, walking by faith. And then the beginning of chapter 12, it kind of concludes that whole uh, recap if you will, of these people in the Jewish tradition. And the author says, let us look to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy set before him endured the cross. Now, Jesus went to the cross, okay, to bring restoration. That's why Jesus went to the cross. As a recreative power, and, and that recreative power would take place on the other side of resurrection. So we, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We, we celebrate that every Sunday. Because resurrection is Jesus showing us that he is the first sign of what that would look like for us. N.T. Wright says this, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. God wants to colonize heaven with the kind of people that know what God has done in the past and are aching and yearning and praying and living their lives in such a way to see God do that again. That is why we say. That is why we sing, God, you moved before, move again. That is why we sing, God, you healed before, heal again. That is why we sing, God, you rescued before, rescue again. That is why we sing, God, you've softened us before, break us down again. That is why we sing, God, you filled us with hope before, fill us with hope again. Church, the pilgrimage of following Jesus is a journey, but it's actually, it's actually more than a journey. It, many times it's actually a battle. 
It's a fight. It's a struggle. It finds us in moments where we have to actually fight to wean ourselves, okay, from all the false promises of the world and replace those false promises with the actual true promises of God. To believe and to listen and to hear and to reflect on what God has done in the past among us and among the people of God throughout the history of his people and what he's going to do again. Let me pray. God, this morning we gather and many of us need to sing the song again. God, many of us need to reflect on how you've moved in the past. God, we, we are desperate for you to move again. God, as the psalmist writes, and now, God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. God, we need your rain. We need your spirit to soak us again. God, we want you to produce in us a harvest. That is, things are very difficult in this world right now. That people are angry and frustrated and separated and struggling. God, that you would create a colony of heaven amongst us. That people on the outside would look in and go, what is happening? Why is this group of people non-anxious? Why are they so full of love and hope? Why are they so full of friendship and gratitude? Why are they Why are they not arguing? Why are they not fearful? Why are they not angry? It's because of your resurrection. And so, God, as I close this prayer, let me just read this out of Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God, you have restored, and God, we are yearning for you to do it again. We pray these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>